0: Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. We continue our series on realizations that come as a result of identity in soulman practice today. We cover in this episode what is probably the most counterintuitive premise on the list, And that is that God says yes to all of your prayers. How could this possibly be? Well, the key distinction that makes this work is the difference between the perceived expressed personality self and the soul that we've been talking about so much. So we address the ancient question of why does God allow evil in the world, the and between creationism and evolution, how divinity cannot not be involved in your life and much more. We begin by addressing uh, Sartre's existentialism and how often that's misinterpreted and go from there. Thanks so much for listening or if you're on YouTube, for watching. Greetings and welcome forward everybody. I'm Joseph Shapiro, with me is Stace Baron. I've never said that before, I'm Joseph Shapiro. Oh, Probably because yes. it's not true. That's why I don't say <laughs> it. That's just, that's just what I'm called. I'm Joseph Shapiro. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. Important. Well, yes, in expression, but certainly not in essence.
0: No, definitely, definitely not. So what we're going to be talking about today is um, going to be some interesting stuff. We're on to realization number 10. I can't believe we're actually going through all these. And that is uh, that God is always trying to help you and says yes to all of your prayers. And we have a counterintuitive entree into that, um, a predetermined rabbit hole, if you will, (laughs) like a planned rabbit hole
1: a planned rabbit hole. Yeah, this yeah. is
0: the first planned rabbit hole we've ever had. <laughs> oh,
1: it is, you're yeah. right. It didn't just emerge, we actually planned it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Will it last, you know, shortly or longly or whatever. <laughs> long-ly. We're going to begin with uh existentialism and I I actually did a little studying here to prep for this because I don't remember how did it come about you you suggested we talk about Sartre and to go into this and I was like, "Why?" and yeah,
1: yeah. It's uh, there's a, it's counterintuitive, like you say. So once in a while, we would like to specifically bring in the content of some philosophy into our talks here for those who are so um, drawn to uh, philosophical frameworks and structures and things. So we can meld them and kind of decode them in a way that identity uh, can resonate or dissonate uh, with, with them, and we can... Uh, teach both things at the same time, counter-illuminating each one. Mm -hmm. So um, what's so interesting to me about Sartre is how much, from my point of view anyway, he was misunderstood. So I'd like to Mm -hmm. start with a direct quote from him, um, Mm -hmm. right out of his, uh, I I think it's from Being and Nothingness, I think. Um, He states that consciousness is a being.
0: Oh, this is the quote you sent me, right. Okay, go on. Yes.
1: Such that in its being its being is in question, as this being implies a being other than itself. Now, remember he wrote in French, and so someone had to translate this to English. So uh, what is interesting to me, that sounds like gobbledygook for the average uh, uh, critical thinker, even.
0: When you sent that to me, And I read it. I was like, this was why I hated philosophy in college, because most of it was about like, okay, (laughs) let's figure out what the hell he meant. It was the same thing in poetry. It was like, "Okay, here's this obtuse poem. Let's figure out what the hell they're saying. And that's like, I'd rather do crossword puzzles. And I hate crossword puzzles (laughs) for the same reason.
1: Well, what it's saying is, um, if I decode this way that I understand it anyway, which could be wrong, but. I'm not sure how many uh, Sartre um, absolutists there are in the world, but uh, when he says consciousness is a being such that in its being, its being is in question insofar as the being implies a being other than itself, that something can only be identified in contrast to something else.
0: What I hear also in that is uh, a human being is aware that it's aware
1: Yes. Oh, that's, that's another way to frame it. Yeah, and, that's and, right.
0: And that self-awareness creates otherness.
1: Yes, exactly. By counterillumination. Yeah. What Sartre did, though, that was so "quote-unquote" revolutionary, but not, in our point of view, resolutionary, mm. uh, is that uh, he defined a, a prime a primariness and a secondariness to uh, human consciousness relative to this quote. Mm-hmm. In other words he would say and here's where it's an interesting question he would say existence precedes essence.
0: Yes. Now, right. But
1: what he means by essence is a subjective definition of essence in my opinion. Because he goes Meaningful, further and
0: meaningfulness, right, is synonymous for him. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Existence precedes meaningfulness. That's a better a better substitution. Because there's, a, there's another um, uh, thing he says, and if I'm right, if I remember memory, memory is right, and being in nothingness, he says, um, the subjective existence of reality, which is our take, our experience of reality, the subjective existence, precedes and defines the nature of what we experience. In other words, what he's saying is the subject of experience filters something that's prior to it.
0: The subject of experience, fil- y- 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 yeah, but the, but if you die, the thing is obviously still there, right? So Yes,
1: that's the whole point. Uh-huh. Existence precedes what um, um, expression or interpretation or meaningfulness. And what we do is project meaningfulness as absolutes, as opposed to being downstream of existence itself.
0: That's what he taught? Yes. Okay. Well, okay. So let's compare and contrast that with Albert Camus, who is a contemporary of Sartre, right? Uh, And I I came across when I was preparing, I actually did some prep for this, watched some YouTube (laughs) videos on crash courses and existentialism, which I didn't, by the way, let's back up for a second. Existentialism was the replacement of what was called essentialism that goes... went all the way back to, I don't know what, uh, probably Aristotelian philosophy, maybe earlier than that. Um, sure. That was essence precedes existence. And they're like, no, no, yes. no. As no. uh, Sartre was saying, um, mm. our existence actually is what creates the meaningfulness. There's no a priori meaningfulness, which is Correct. What, yes. uh, goes all the way back to Aristotle and whatnot. Exactly. And, yes. and certainly was the foundation of all the objective religions like Islam, Christianity, Judaism, those were all essentialist Yes, um, we've been talking about in terms of objective versus subjective, but another way of right. talking about the same thing is um, essentialism versus uh, existentialism.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. But okay, so, so Cam- Albert,
0: Cam- yeah, Camus said, uh, and I believe I have this quote exactly right verbatim: um, "The meaning of life is whatever you do to not kill yourself, <laughs> <laughs> whatever that's you do so in order to prevent <laughs> yeah. yourself pre- prevent yourself from killing yourself." And I thought yeah. about that; that's very clever. Yes, very clever. And, and um, kind of a dull knife at, at the same time. Um, oh, And nice. very sad, very sad.
2: It's,
1: it's, I laugh because the tragedy of it um, is so true. Mm. And, and so oftentimes, that's what comedy is based on, of course, so we laugh so we don't cry, right? Mm. Um, so that's exactly right. What, whatever, whatever doesn't cause us to kill
2: ourselves. So it which, does um,
0: speak to, like, yeah, we have to um, – you know, uh, to use an old term from uh, Landmark, identify the game in such a way that has us playing it.
1: Oh yes, uh-huh. that was
0: that was very. That's a very existential um, self empowerment. Like, okay, how can I mentally reframe this so I'm engaged mm-hmm. doing it? How do I? we you know, Landmark said we and this goes to back to Erhard, um, Werner Erhard, not his real name. Um, uh, you know, um the subjectivist uh, um, existential orientation of like, well, we're meaning-making machines. We're we're creating the meaning, so -hmm. let's do that intentionally. Well, that makes sense. And of course, you could see how that was built on um, Sartre's uh, existentialism.
1: Sure, beautifully uh, um, uh, connected here, Joseph, because another way, in a simple way of saying that is that uh, the best way to have a self-empowered human life according to existentialism they simply uh, um, write your own script where you're the author of your life and the director and the actor, yeah, uh, all, all in one thing. So that's all really interesting. Um, because uh, what we go to where we go to next is that, and this is what always oh, I had to double check this uh, 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 by doing a little research to make sure my memory wasn't crazy because this sounds crazy. Um, he uh, actually, uh, People talk about him, his, his adherents talk about him as uh, the 20th century's most famous atheist, along with Ayn Rand and a, and a couple of others.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, uh, rejection of the false god of religion, in other words. And that's what's so interesting, because we just have to mention, uh, to make sure we're all on the same track here, that when the world says an a- calls an atheist, is simply the rejection of the god of religion's. Yeah. Right. Right. And this is not not a point that's I've really experienced is seminal to the whole context of theism versus atheism. Yeah. What what the, you could say to broaden it. And I used to talk about this way, way early on, that it's better to say um, uh, an atheist rejects not only the God of religion, but all of mysticism. mm. Right, there's uh, mysticism. Means there's some otherworldly kind of objective reality beyond the subjective reality uh, of the mind and the projection. So anything that's mystical is not of the mind. Therefore, it is of the spirit. Therefore, it is somehow sandwiched between subjective reality and existential uh, uh, reality. Right. Mm -hmm. So mysticism. You can't call yourself an atheistic mystic, mystic or an atheist. Mystic, uh, that would be a contradiction in terms.
2: Mm-hmm. Yet,
1: yet, and here is a quote I, I had to I had to bring this forward: is um, uh, Sartre is an atheistic mystic.
0: Oh, I didn't this know is, he had mystical tendencies. What did he say? Well,
1: he had a mystical experience as a, as a, as a young man,
2: uh-huh. and uh,
1: but it, the mystical experience somehow gets translated that it posited there was no God right
2: mm-hmm. but
1: if you read um uh being enough or um what's what's his novel's name the name of his novel um the
0: stranger no that was Camus. the stranger no, no, no nausea. Nausea. nausea nausea nausea
1: yeah um, uh in in nausea there's a there's a um uh, a character his, the main character is called his name is roquentin and sartre later said that and here's the quote uh Sartre Satra, Satra claims in words that he was Roquentin, that he used his character to show the texture of his own life. And in Nausea, Roquentin had a mystical experience.
0: Mm-hmm. I never read So it.
1: Yeah, neither did I. But I I, I scanned it once in a, like a Cliff Notes kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, but the point we want to make here with all this esoteric um, kind of a talk here is, is that that the way we term make ter- terminologize uh, 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 mystical uh, uh, atheism really is a non sequitur. Uh, so, people, we have to remember that all of philosophy is mentalized. Mentalized. And existential. been For a long time, yeah. For a long time. But at least intellectually, they were talking about something essential and essentialism. Well, right?
0: and with some exceptions, like Ayn Rand taught a philosophy uh, that was for. Being lived. Um, yes, right. and, yes. uh, but most philosophers in the last few hundred years don't seem to have been doing that.
1: <laughs> no, it's a, you're all in the mental body. Yeah. Um, so, and, uh, but even when the sensualism was described and frameworked, it was done intellectually a lot. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. so the whole point of this is that, um, is there a God or is there not a God in one in some ways? Um, and, uh, was Sartre actually, uh, um, only rejecting the god of religion. Yeah. Because yeah, he yeah. had his own mystical experience. So they don't have a category for him. So they squash yeah, these two terms that together. Makes sense. Yeah. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the well, reason this and, is a-
0: well that, there's a couple of rabbit holes I want to grab here. One is I just wanted to say uh Cher, I was terrible, I was a terrible philosophy student in college. I really was interested in philosophy, but I had a very hard time with it because In retrospect, because one, it was all mental, and it was content-based, and I was interested in trying on different ways of living, Mm -hmm. and what I learned about the different philosophers was not packaged in a way such that I could live it. It was like, okay, everything is made of monads. I think that was Leibniz (laughs) or Spinoza or whatever. And it was like, okay, what do I do with that? How do I live according to these brilliant people who were trying to determine the nature of reality? And instead, it was like, let's think about it this way. Let's think about it this way. And I was interested in living something. And that's not what philosophy is in academia. Um, Yeah,
1: technically, that's right.
0: There yeah. was a group I remember on campus of Ayn Rand objectivists and a friend of mine who was smarter than I was at the time was like, oh, yeah, there's are crazy Ayn Rand people. But I probably really should have been involved in that at that time. I would have been into <laughs> yeah. it.
1: At least, well, she, she qualifies uniquely to your mantra of life, where the rubber meets the road, right? Yeah, at least it's like a mantra. Where it's yes. like
0: Descartes, which I studied like you know for hours and hours and hours, like I didn't get what I was supposed to do with that at all. It, it did not reach me in order to reach the other 150 people in that lecture hall. It was just completely <laughs> academic. So I think academic. one of the really cool things that 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 uh, identity does and that we do is just when we talk about philosophy, we immediately talk about it in applied ways, like what this yes. means for your life. And, yes. um, that's, that's not what it is, but that's what, how it was and how it should be. Um, and then related to this very issue that you're talking about, um, the, the distinction between belief based, um, religion and um, experiential esoteric spirituality, that yes. was a baby in a bathwater thing, right? So the, the yes. pendulum swing from the oppression of objective Catholicism yes. throughout the baby with the bathwater. And it was like well, you know, let's, there is no God and we have killed him, right? That's what Nietzsche said. Yes, right, and right. so there was no room for the mystical, even though we had Meister Eckhart and I think it was yes. the 13th, 14th century, right. who said, um, who made, he made the distinction between the belief in God and the experience of it. So yes. it was there, but people couldn't make that fine point. So like you say, atheism became this, no, we have to reject it all. And you can't even look through the telescope of contemplation or whatever. It's just like, no, it's not there.
1: Exactly right. So So, that's
0: a real, you know, if identity only did one thing. Yeah. (laughs) If identity only did one thing. Here's another one of those things. If all identity did was make a distinction between um, the rejection of the belief-based, mentally mediated, quote unquote, experience of God and an experience experience of God, that yes. alone would be an enormous contribution to the history of consciousness. I just want to say that. <laughs> well,
1: I'll take that in. Uh, yeah. uh, and it reminds me of how uh, in early Christianity, uh, if you dared to claim that you heard the voice of God, for example, or that you experienced God. you Like were Joan putting, Dark did. Well, like Joan Dark did. Um, and, and that if if you actually claim that you were putting yourself on an equal level as the savior, Jesus, the Christ, right? Yes. And so that was blasphemous to yeah. hear the voice of God or, or commune with God, the, the God, the voice of God. And that's why they burned witches and threw them off. What witch towers is because they had this intuitive access uh, to the presence of God in right. some way. But
0: you're supposed to be like Jesus yes but not actually yes. abide with god not that part no. only no, he no. can do that
1: <laughs> right we can all o- he only he can do that and we have to use him as an example in our human applied world which yeah. turns out to be basically altruism <laughs> just to offset original sin right oh god And that's a whole other topic where it just gives it gives you a metaphysical headache here how twisted and knots uh the way philosophy and belief and religious terms got so and it's a gordian knock uh, well so, and
0: you can see right there that's why there was such a desire for the existentialist uh, to reject it all because they saw how crazy it was and that it wasn't applicable so they just reasonable why they threw the baby out with the bathwater.
1: sure they got it it's either since it was defined as all you had to reject everything about it right and yeah. we just for the record uh, for those uh listening uh, 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 we we would say that um, the experience of God is is open and and uh, possible to everyone who's mm-hmm. interested in doing so. So that that split between the savior be like Jesus, but you can't claim <laughs> to commune with God. Just uh, just one of the really ridiculous uh, uh, knots and in, uh, in philosophy, philosoph- religious philosophy, and I like. Uh, the what you said about identity, it's like a Gordian knot, and it's just a sword that cuts through the Gordian knot, you know, of all this. So the reason this is interesting stuff is because uh, when we say that God is always trying to help you, a divine being in our case, is always trying to help you and says yes to all prayers, we're talking about an active, communal experience or intimacy that divine being has in your life. Now, that deism, for example, as the founding fathers of the U.S. Constitution, they were not Christians, by the way, Magaists. They're <laughs> not Christians. Um, they were deists, meaning God's there, but it doesn't get involved in the human stuff. That's our job. Uh, that's our job. Beautifully, beautifully, uh, deism is really a wonderful counterpoint to theism in general. It's a theism, but with, without any connection to humanity. As it was if, a
0: kind of enlightened Christianity,
1: in a way. it was Enlightened Christianity. You bet, and that's why they've got to rewrite MAGA have to rewrite history like they always do. Mm-hmm. But the point here being is that it implies God saying yes to your prayers means that God is not a deist <laughs> itself, that divine yeah. being is intimately involved. And we would agree with that, that it is intimately involved, because we nothing can be between us and it, or it's not God. Either everything, as we said so many times, everything is God or nothing is God. So if, if God is there and you can actually self-validate this one day, um, then it can't be, it's not separatable for us. And if we're conscious, second point, if we're conscious, then we are children of it and it's conscious also. Or else yeah, I, d- I just want to
0: slow that absolutely. down for a moment because that's a really interesting metaphysical idea of like in deism. It's like, yes, there is a creator, And he just sort of took off for a little while, like that, which is everything in their paradigm, all powerful, present everywhere. Everything is that left the room.
2: (laughs) Where did
1: it go? Where could it go? If anywhere it went would be not God. Right and how can a god get outside of
0: God? I I believe it was Ramana Maharshi um, that, uh, and he's a sage and saint hybrid in a way. Uh I believe when when he was near dying, people were like, "Don't go, stay here." And his response was, "Where would I go?" You know, that (laughs) identified with spirit. Like, where would I go? I can't go anywhere. I'll be right here. That's how over identified he was. Transcendent, not in humanity, but that's representing the divinity you know you it can't go anywhere so this the 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 metaphysics of how god would leave the room and leave the children to (laughs) fend for themselves it's like okay it's everywhere and it's everything but it's on vacation
2: like (laughs) what
1: into some not god space i guess uh well at any rate um what we want to talk about in this applied communal way that divine being is intimately involved with our lives um what I want to what we need to just revisit very quickly here. I don't want to go along a long term in it. it. Is what we've mentioned before that uh, divine being is not so much a creator as it is an un- unfolder. Mm. In other words, just like we humans, we can never really know ahead of time what our children will really be like. It literally watched itself unfold in ever denser forms and expressions and self-reflective soul-based beings and so did not always know or decide ahead of time the details of what was it was creating the unfolding meaning uh, it's only omnipresent we talked about this before not omnipotent and not uh omniscient right. doesn't know everything and isn't and it is not all powerful uh, but what it's what what it really is it doesn't see ahead of time many times uh, the full nature of what unfolds out of it it discovers itself um, by its unfoldments, because it can't get outside of itself. It only has to unfold inside of itself as a mirror. Well, I used to say, uh, this got people going, that a divine being sees all of its creation in a rearview mirror, mm-hmm. uh, right? Because it needs the unfoldment to reflect back to it what it is, because it can't get outside of itself to see what it is. It and that's Itself.
0: And that goes back to the cosmogony of uh, yes. identity of that um, existence was created in order to be a mirror for a divinity so it could learn something about itself, which yes. implies the lack of omniscience right there. If,
1: right there. If, right there. But when you get where the rubber meets the road here is that people, when I say this, that when it's only omnip- omnipresent, not in- omnipotent and not omniscient uh, they they're crestfallen all of a sudden they're lost they like they need a big daddy in the sky to assure that it's all powerful and all-knowing like we project on our parents are all powerful and all-knowing that's all philosophers religious philosophers did was they borrowed from human projections called anthropomorphism right so in that sense god is quote unquote limited and not perfect in ways that some humans find difficult to accept. 500
0: years ago, that would get you instantly killed, or in a few weeks anyway, in Europe.
1: Or at least my eyes put out. At least my eyes put out.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: But if it was perfect in all those ways, and we were children of it, we would be perfect too, right? Uh, And so, Oh, no, no. We're
0: originally sinned, because
2: we've inherited the morality
0: of what our ancestors did, and that's our fault.
1: Yes, That's just a throwback to collectivism. The, yeah. the, the sins of the uh, uh, ancestors are carried forward uh, into the present day. It's just nonsense. Mm-hmm. It needs to be retired, really. So in that sense, um, uh, what we call what, what it does do, and I have not said this before, I don't think in these podcasts, Joseph, even though it's not omniscient and it's not omnipotent and it doesn't always know the nature of what the thing that it's unfolding will be until it unfolds, it does have after it unfolds in its omnipresence. It does have an ability to tweak what what hit us already. Just tweak what already has unfolded. Well, down here we call that evolution. Ah, uh-huh, uh, yes. From our side, uh, how do these all well, the genes mutate and uh, the sur- and uh, um, the survival of the fittest, the, the gene mutation, and if it's better adapted to the conditions of life, uh, then more babies are made from that because it survived, and therefore mutation is simply random uh, uh, or caused by UV light or whatever people want to say about it. So in that sense, um, uh, what we call evolution is divine being tweaking what it has already unfolded to maximize its survivability and thrivability, and that's a point I've not made very clear before, uh, as far as I can remember, in for uh, my whole life. So what we call evolution is divine being tweaking.
0: And there's the can't... and between creationism and evolutionism. It, mm.
1: Exactly, it, you take the words right out of my mouth. Mm. Um, it can't predict what will unfold, but it can tweak what unfolds afterward to maximize survivability and thrivability. So um, in that sense, uh, we can go straight now to uh, our question uh how does divine being say yes to every all of our prayers
0: so and i just i want to frame this go, a little bit more though ahead. because this is go one ahead. of those moments where it will be many people could miss that we're, we're, what we slash you are about to do today is answer compellingly and coherently a question that has been wrestled with for thousands of years yes it's and, and that it's one of these things where like you know if you have a grad school philosophy degree, like you would have learned a lot about how very smart people have struggled with this very question and not gone and gotten anywhere with it.
1: Well, it's so and, embarrassing, it's so embarrassing
0: and it's not the only thing that identity has an answer to, a compelling answer just even a model for much less an experience of because it, it's yeah, exactly.
1: Our models all are experienceable one day through mm-hmm. the three dharmas that it offers, right? So in that sense, why does God allow evil in the world, which is yeah. the, the simplest one? Uh, well, it, it, it unfolded, meaning the capacity for evil, what we call evil, let's say, general in a general term, the capacity for evil must lie in divine being. Not the activity necessarily mm-hmm. itself and content. Uh, it does. It allows it, not because it allows it. It's because we all carry a capacity for it. But here's where here's where we connect directly. What we call evil in the world, at the level way upstream in divine being in its creative unfolding capacity, it's just the unknown. The mm-hmm. unknown. The unknown of itself that it unfolds into in this rear-view mirror way. So that unknown, an unknown for humanity, as it trickles all the way down, an unknown for un, uh, uh, humanity is dangerous yeah. for yeah. survivability. So survival anything that threatens survivability, survivability was evil, quote unquote, dark, not, not for human beings, bad for human. Evil is bad for human. But it's just the unknown in divine being that is the capacity for us to do evil. So why does God allow evil? Of course, the simple answer is it doesn't. We, we allow it. We allow it by not realizing how much, how narcissistic, existentially narcissistic we are about making philosophies about what feels good and what doesn't feel good. It's all about our own experience. Uh, so what is evil for a born-again Magaist um, is very different than what is evil for a Buddhist, even though mainstream Buddhism talks about evil, but uh, certainly esoteric Zen does not. Uh,
0: there's there's a connection that, that's missing for me, though. It's like,
2: wh-
0: I don't even know how to phrase the question. So, like, if human beings have the capacity to to express really negative behavior.
1: Yes.
2: And so
0: that capacity must exist somewhere in divinity.
1: Yes, the capacity, right?
0: But what is that like? What's the lived experience of that capacity for divinity?
1: Um, it 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 is only experienced through its um, human uh, uh, children. It, it, it wasn't. Pri- it's not primarily uh, experienced by a divine being. So it's Only like secondarily.
0: So you're saying like our wound based expressions are like yes. l- latent unconscious aspects of divinity.
1: I'm saying they're un- latent unconscious uh, aspects of the um, unknown of divinity.
2: Uh huh. Like unknown?
1: God's
0: unconscious.
1: Like God's pre-conscious of what it's going to create until it unfolds. Uh-huh. That's what I mean by by uh, capacity uh, in terms of of, of um, um, God. I just had a senior moment uh, <laughs> of the unknown. Since it's unknown what the nature of what it's going to unfold next, it's unknown to it. That is the capacity way upstream of us doing things from our wounds, because our wounds evolved imperfectly. It made us imperfect, quote unquote, out of the unknown capacity of parents to pass on soul-based frequencies of love. Mm -hmm. So it's tenuous. You're right to question. It's not so much linear as... um, Gestaltic. Yeah, I was uh, going to
0: say that. I mean, it's obvious to see like there's there's a limit to the knowability of that because yes, to put sure. accurate words around it, you would have to know the unconscious of divinity, yes. and it right. doesn't even know that. So how <laughs> would how that's, would we?
1: That's the unknown capital U that yeah. I'm talking about. It's not it, it it fills in all the gaps of its unconscious by its creation. Yeah. The, The same way when
0: a parent has kids, they turn out in certain ways that you can, like you said before, in the rear view mirror, you know, someone watching or maybe an aware parent could go, oh yeah, I see now my kid is terribly anxious and I've had that anxiety in me my whole life, but I didn't really get it until I saw the anxiety in my kid.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that's a a fractal Mm. of exactly how divine being relates Mm. to, um, To its human children, let's just say the human children, because uh, a lion uh, eating a hyena or by uh, killing a hyena and feeding it to its young is not evil. Mm -hmm. But we would say if we kill someone uh, to uh, take their riches or whatever they have and feed our kids with those riches, it's evil, you see, but it's not for animals. So mm-hmm. self-reflective beings, to the degree we're self-aware that we're self-aware, unlike animals, they're just self-aware, but not self-aware that they're self-aware. Uh, they, they have a different uh, order of uh, consciousness. So we, we would, naturalists would not call the killing of a hyena by a lion evil. But we certainly would uh, uh, another animal, another human. <laughs> if we kill them, it is evil. So, in that sense, I love. In English, we say this. It's a common uh, trope uh, that evil is the word "live" spelled backwards. <laughs> you know. Uh, so that's a really interesting uh, point. So back to the main point. Well, here here's somebody who wants to, uh, this is a direct quote from a question asked asked me years ago. So if if I pray to God. For someone I want to have sex with to want to have sex with me, uh, and uh, God says yes to all prayers. Why hasn't it worked my whole life? Mm. Uh, my my answer is well, um, it's ants. It's yes is not in content. Mm. It's yes is in context, and in, in fact, it's in meta context. And what we say here, uh, so that's a little tricky. We tricked you all. It's not in the content of what you ask. We pray for is not always given by divine being, uh, but it doesn't say no. It simply is this contextual yes, this affirmation of being that cannot not be.
0: Yeah, it says yes. You really want that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Exactly. And I will help you discover where that will take you through consequences <laughs> yes. and experiences.
2: Oh,
1: mm-hmm. you t- I love how you just think right out without what the freight the stuff we're we're going to talk about next. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you're into it, so perfectly. Well, I'm, I'm
0: experiencing uh, it in, in technical or <laughs> this last week. Things have been going very quote. Um, The experience has been unpleasant. And at the same time, I'm having a meta sense of like, wow, this is all really perfect. This is exactly what I needed and kind of what I wanted, but not what another part of me wanted. And that's where we're going to get into soul versus self, right?
1: Exactly. So let me just reframe exactly what you said in a slightly different way. It would say, um, I hear your prayer, and if you do want some to draw someone who wants sex with you as much as you want sex with them then you will have to learn to to uh, heal away your inauthentic vehicle of being uh and then you will draw it so i will help you do that even if it tears your 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 life to bits yeah Um, yeah (laughs) Yeah, because
0: we unconsciously are the sort of protective cells in us we have to remember here it wants the result it, it's a priori assumption is I want to stay the same person and then have this wish fulfillment be fulfilled yes. and divinity does not see a difference it doesn't it doesn't see a, a distinction between the inner and the outer so no. it sees oh I see you want your cake and eat it too I will give you all of that <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> or or if you make if you make a framework out of it like Bree says uh, the protective self wants to stay the same being and wants the world to change.
0: Oh yes, uh, even better.
1: Another way of frameworking that, uh, and mm-hmm. and see, and and why we certainly have a lot of compassion, uh, like we talked last time about um, the protective self, uh, because um, it already had to change. It already had to contract into a smaller version of the soul. Had to contract out of it a, into a smaller version of itself, um, and it, it already had to change and shrink to fit. And so now it doesn't want to change anymore it yeah. wants to be in charge of the being and a goddamn it wants the world to change or wants our beloved to change or wants our financial uh, our, our boss to change and give us a raise and all yeah. of that is just nonsense uh, everything lies within us everything
0: when i uh, coach business leaders and have them write visions one of my favorite questions is okay so this is your vision this is what you want your business to look like in five years Who do you think you're going to have to become in order to earn that?
1: Yes. And then that
0: becomes the track for their development because the way we hold it, that's already the deal. Like the carrot is what you want and the price you're going to have to pay is you're going to have to be different in a way that's truer to you in order to earn that. Right. If that's in the cards for you.
1: If it's in the cards for you, assuming that you should be boss in the first place. (laughs) Right.
0: Assuming there's any truth to what you think your vision is for for yourself. There's probably some truth to it. It might not be much.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it might be wound-based truth rather than than health-based, sober-based truth, right? Yeah. I got to be in control of my life, so I'm going to make sure I'm rich. Uh, Just watch The Wolf of Wall Street. uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was just
0: talking to a client earlier today about the, the immaturity of pursuing... The, the yeah. freedom of getting to do whatever you want. And I was talking about how, you know this phrase, fuck you money?
2: Oh, People yes, want, yeah. Yeah,
0: like just the immaturity of like, I want, I want enough money so that I can say fuck you to anyone. Like, what are you, 14? Like, really? <laughs> like, that's... Oh, no. <laughs>
1: It, I know. It's, it's so, so it's so
0: patently immature. Like not to help the world. At least altruism would be a little bit better than that. But it's yeah, like I want enough money so that no one can control me and I can do whatever I want and be whatever right. I want. And of course, there's no authority of God in such a picture. No. Because no, that no. would be someone only- you want to say fuck you to.
1: Right. Uh, the like I want enough money not to worry, have to worry about money. But the the underlying truth is I've got to be in control. Yeah, I can't not be in control. And the dead end of that is beautifully articulated in Scorsese's um, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Oh uh, yeah, I love that movie. Uh, because the the there's no end to the narcissistic um, uh, 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 dis, dis, the narcissism of getting what you want. But he's married the the Wolf of Wall Street, this penny stock guy. Uh, it's based on a true guy, right? Oh yeah, pen- yeah, it yeah. all true. Yeah, um, that that uh, you know he's got to have hookers five or six times a week uh, because there's just something missing in the wife he loves at home. They finally have to get divorced, of course. Mm. Uh, so, in this point um, that we want to make here is, uh, you divine being cannot not be intimately involved in your life. And I'd and I'd like to um, bring in cannot something that not cannot not okay. uh, in in your life. And here I had a, a realization um, experience, more than a realization experience, recently that's come out of uh, some some of the really important and diagonal work I've been doing the last six months uh, with myself um, and uh, in personhood in our in our picture of things. Uh, whenever there is a, a, a change in personhood a viable real change, not just a green reframe, uh, but a gold emergence. My my green was absolute, my inauthentic uh, protector self was great in self-diagnosing um, uh, in its own value system, uh, but not outside its own value system. And so but the point I want to make here is that whenever I make a, a really a viable shift in embodying mature, emotively mature personhood, um, after floating my whole life uh, uh, out of that dynamic of uh, that bandwidth, um, my in, innate sage and saint uh, things that I floated inside of all my life um, also shift uh, with a personhood shift. And others like you have had the same experience. more oh, yeah. you deepen the authenticity of our personhood—that is, the more soul eye has pre- precedence in the life rather than the than the wounded eye of the protector. Uh, our innate sage and saint. Um, uh, aspects can really shift as well. They always do such that people in our, and even, even in uh, identity uh, 1.0 that -hmm. did no meditating, that did no transcending, just working on personhood, elicited their innate uh, enlightenments from other lives into their present life yeah. without doing any sagely uh, work, uh, th- least of all 30 years in a drafty monastery avoiding sex, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: I, all, all of my intuitive gifts came from personhood work. I didn't do any of this life training of it all, and I use them all the time now.
1: Let, let's, let's take a pause there. The, the import of that, of yeah. this, what we're saying here, that, and this is what you said last time, I, I think in the last podcast, to remind everyone that personhood is spiritual because mm-hmm. – if, we're, if God is God and we're all inside of God and God is spiritual, so are we, even in our base, crass, dense humanity. So, in that sense, um, uh, uh, what, what, nothing could be not spiritual.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, we're saying a, an emoto-spiritual psychology track, It's the best way to describe our, our personhood track, is emoto-spiritual psychology to use terms that are already out there, Mm -hmm. is enough to elicit past life experiences brought forward, this life, that you don't have to do any work for to expand into all that is and everything allness or to the pre-dual, the non-dual aspect of the yin divine being. And this is one of
0: the key differences between constructive, compensational help mainstream psychology and deconstructive Work yes. that that we do with con- the the compensational improvements doesn't do this.
1: No, no, and and when your younger soul, uh, and for all uh, protective eyes uh, in us psychology can work. Uh, that's mm-hmm. self empowerment is based on it. But we want to disempower with respect and love the eye of this of the protector self. Deconstruct it, and every every step we deconstruct it gives one more bandwidth of the soul eye to be emergent into your human life, right? Mm -hmm. So in that sense, um, uh, when God answers prayers, it not only answers it in the way that we just deconstructed, another deconstruction, right? It will give you the whole enchilada. (laughs) It'll shake you. As Gabron says, it'll be a north wind in your carefully manicured garden and blow it to shit.
0: He was a deconstructivist.
1: He was, he was. I love that about him. Exactly mm-hmm. right. Uh, you don't add anything on to grow. You only subtract. Now, mm-hmm. that alone, that statement, Joseph, uh, you, you can't accrete, uh, A-C-C-R-E-T-E. You can't accrete your way to change. You have to deconstruct, uh, de-accrete <laughs> to, to uh, reveal the authentic eye of the soul. So mm-hmm. when God says yes, it gives you the whole enchilada. So be careful what you pray for because you might get it, but not in, not in the way that your content wants. Right now, that's, that's a, a cultural meme out there uh, or trope. Uh, careful what you get, or you pray for. You might get it one day, and then you're really on the spot.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: we mean it in exactly the opposite way. It doesn't, re- doesn't give you the content that you prayed for. It gives you the whole enchilada of why you're not getting what Mm -hmm. you're praying for because like you said earlier it just does not make that distinction only we do split split it
2: that way
0: and then that's that's ought to be the frame we have for our dualistic experience as humans so i have i I could share a story here that will make this really
1: um oh yeah uh, i i got off the track of my own story no finish do your story first
0: So um, I have some Muscovy ducks that I take care of, um, and uh, how do I tell this briefly? There's a long history of it, but about a couple weeks ago, my neighbor's dogs got loose, attacked two of them. One died later that day. I took him to the vet. One died later that day. The other one, I've been nursing back to health. And it's been hugely emotional to, you know, just the, the sort of, I mean, we, we, uh, Trauma in quotes of it, just the the harrowiness of it, and the just like you know these poor defenseless birds, and it's just brought up a huge amount of emotion for me. Um, learning how to give antibiotics to a duck, and like I don't know any about this, just like it's brought up a whole lot of powerlessness in me, um, you know. Uh, and then um, I was driving to an appointment yesterday, and my neighbor whose dogs had escaped, um, I see I'm 15 minutes away. He texts me saying the dog got loose again and I should like protect my ducks. I just drove away. And so in a split second. It's like, okay, well, what the hell do I do here? And mm-hmm. I think, okay, well, is it worth missing this appointment? And like, I think like, well, do I want to come back to, you know, one duck I have in my garage protected, but there's still one outside. Is it worth coming back to another dead or injured duck? No, absolutely not. So I turn around and then I find out if, you know, when I get home, I talk to him and that his dogs are um, uh, uh, in again, but what hits me is like I can't protect these ducks. I can't. Like I like I start going back and forth. Do I create a pen for them? Do I try to seal off the perimeter as best I can of the two acres I have? Like I can't, either of those I can't do today. Right. And so I'm going back and forth, and my mind is like, what do I do? What do I do? Do I do this? Well, then they're trapped, and they're not going to be enjoying themselves very much. And then there's this ugly pen, and like that doesn't seem like a good solution. But sealing off the entire perimeter, that's really expensive. And that would take me weeks or if not months to be able to pull off. I can't really do that either. And I'm going back and forth and back and forth and like dead ending in my own mind. What do I do? Yeah. And then I start to realize that my protector is the one who is feeling powerless and I can't protect these ducks. And the ducks are a symbol of my own inner children, my own innocent self. And he's freaking out because he's feeling how he couldn't protect me. From yes. the onslaught of life and my parents, yes, and I had a total meltdown. Well, this protector did uh, yes. in like and just feeling all sorts of regret and pain about how he couldn't protect me, the failure mm. of that, and starting mm. to see like the protection mechanisms that he created for me still don't work, and I'm feeling really the failure to protect my own perimeter and how like that just can't be done, yes. and so the the meta for all of this. Is in one way this is why the ducks were attacked because yes. that's what I needed. Yes, and that's not what
1: you wanted. No, not sure. what I
0: wanted, but what I right. did want to do was deconstruct right. my protective self. Right, and so this is why this quote bad thing quote happened to me because this right. is exa- exactly what I needed to precipitate all of these tears and all of this difficulty and all of this emotion so like was it meant to happen well apparently divinity saw this whole duck thing as a route to help me yes and i don't know maybe the duck that died there were two well we've lost a few that wandered off but the one that was killed maybe that duck was just done you know its its wounds were more superficial than the one that survived so why it went i don't even know
1: there you go. Yeah, I, yeah. It didn't
0: really make any sense. But, uh, you know, right. it, when it, d- it did its death rattle, I remember looking and I was really pulling for it, uh, her. And I remember saying, like, I looked in her eyes and I said, and I was really pulling for her. And I said, look, if you need to go, it's okay. And then mm-hmm. 10 seconds later, she was gone. So yeah. um, it's all been hugely painful, but uh, at the same time, hugely useful. I haven't enjoyed this at all. But at the same time, I can see. This apparently is what was necessary for me to get what my soul wants.
1: Could there be, could there be a more intimate example of divinity's uh, 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 inclusion in our personal human lives than this? I, I'm, I can't think of a more intimate example, Joseph. So beautiful that you reveal this to the listeners because this is what you get. When you pray for wholeness, yeah, is is disasters that are meant to alert you to the eye of your protective self, who is not meant to be the interactor with this world. Our soul eye is meant to, yeah. but since it was bereft in childhood of bandwidth that supported our soul eye, we had to shrink to fit our parents' worldviews, and so, and then, then we became our protective self. Two thirds to one third,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it's murder to try to re-establish the soul eye's authority over the the, um, the 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 protector eye, and that's what personhood does, and the personhood dharma.
0: Yeah, and um, you know, y- y- you you and I both know from working with people that, of course, we would like to help the person deconstruct their less authentic self, without there needing to be outer dualistic disasters in their life and the death of loved pets and all that, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, I think you'd agree that it seems to be that at certain stages that it appears to be necessary yes, because it's only the real life, it has to get out of the theoretical and be a real lived experience like, the, yes. the the level of, of meltdown that happened for me yesterday. I can't imagine that happened just by trying to remember what it was like to be the son of my parents, you know? It needed no to be a real- of,
1: Yes, no amount of psychology could have gotten you there.
0: Yeah, so I mean, and I know this from working with people, it's like you, you work to do it sort of, Derivatively, conceptually, theoretically, but when something happens in the person's life, you got to jump on that and milk those catastrophes for all their all their worth because that's yeah. why they happened. Yes, and you uh, want to milk it for all sorts. Otherwise, another you'll draw another one.
1: Right, and you know, I, I have to say that this idea uh, of reinterpreting darkness or disaster mm-hmm. is out there yeah, yeah, to sure. re- reframe it positively. But we have a Dharma that does it from the inside out, yeah. not from the head insight down. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's inside out from the inside out. It's really transmutative, not, not uh, uh, driven by insight or energy. And, and, and I'd just like to self-reveal now, hook, hook on uh, the, the, the caboose of that train that you mm-hmm. just so beautifully uh, shared with us all. Uh, the history of my uh, uh, um, um, protector self was tough love. And and I want to just make a link to what you just said, where it came from. Mm -hmm. I experienced disaster after disaster after disaster after disaster Mm -hmm. to get me out of my conditioned self from the Midwest of this country and all the value systems associated with that. I needed... A dozen or two absolute disasters before I was 27 years old. More than two dozen, a lot. lot. And so, when after I had my event in my late 30s, about 10 years later, a little longer than 10 years, um, uh, uh, and then came back forward after my non-dual event to um, the personhood, the personal, I I brought the tough love of divine beings causing me disasters. I was so aware they were all intended to cleanse me of my grippings of the mm-hmm. old ways I'm from the Midwest and Chicago. I incorporated and decided I had to do like God did and mm-hmm. do do tough love on people to shake their their trees uh, mm-hmm. that way. And it, I want to just put out there that that seemed logical and right to me, that mm-hmm. I love people so much in my, in my gold, soulful being, I wanted to give them what divine being gave me, which put me in the role of God.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Completely, my inauthentic self, or my protector self, grabbed that truth and literally uh, thought I should do, uh, make people have disasters in their lives to help Mm -hmm. them grow. And this was one of the most tragic and horrifying uh, um, uh, kidnappings of a divine's job into myself.
2: Mm. You
1: can imagine how deeply insecure my, my, my uh, protector self was that it needed to compensate mm. with a God complex mm. in this one domain. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't all I was about 50 50 as joseph will tell you and others uh, from identity 1.0. I was at uh, one moment I was my protector self one moment I was my soul self and it was really confusing to people because the uh, the soul self eye was so different than the tough love uh, protector eye and so this was a tragedy that I also want to admit um, mm. here uh, exactly by a, by kidnapping a divine function, in my relationship with people,
0: and if and, it, it it did appear often to work, yes. So I can see why you kept doing it. If it didn't work at all, you would have stopped pretty early on.
1: I, I would have, really. I'm not dumb. I get I yeah. get feedback, uh, but it did work. It, it, people woke up. Sometimes it took years, but they always woke yeah, up. Yeah, it's
0: like a Zen master hitting someone with a stick. It's like yeah. nowadays, I don't think that happens anymore, but they- But it used to. It used to, <laughs> and it did sometimes work. I mean, there are anecdotal stories about, you know, like two- to the master hits the guy in the head and you know and so it, it's just a matter of, i mean i think overall those kinds of things um and there's versions of this like you know in football they compare uh belichick um and the other coach there's like the hard oh, yeah. style yeah, yeah. coach and right. the soft style right. guy you know this is an old debate you know the the tough manager versus the soft touch manager you know this is yeah. this is an old thing and it's a tortoise and hare yeah. kind of thing um, yeah
1: exactly so um, now, finally, to tag on my my uh, the the thing that's happened recently for myself, uh, mm. just like Joseph talked about the recent, I lost that a, a little while ago. Um, as I've been moving in the direction that I have been moving, I'm narrowing the gap between my spiritual world uh, uh, reality and the human it was so split. I never had my human feet all the way into the human. I used it if I floated above myself. Um, now that that gap is narrowing, um, I, I was uh, on the plane. My uh, Bree and I went to Chicago uh, where I was uh, born to meet my family for the first time in 17 years. We've been married this year, 17 years. And so on the plane, we got uh, separated. Brie got a magic magic uh, wand uh, and put her in um, in expanded um, uh, economy. So she had this much more room between her and the front seat. Ah,
0: but you weren't sitting together
1: no so Uh but but i i got so she only got it but i didn't and i had i i had to i have to have an aisle seat I just i still do it's i get so close oh yeah me
2: too yeah
1: that's not something really to fix in (laughs) some ways but i'm still looking at it possible anyway i'm sitting by myself about 10 rows back of of brie and uh mid-flight um i it's only four-hour flight it's not very long i was looking uh at the soul field of the Uh, a woman kitty corner in the, in the the aisle in front of me. And uh, because of the personhood work uh, that um, uh, I've been uh, trying to do, the, the shift of uh, something really happened in a real experience that I only taught about before Mm -hmm. I used to teach you there is dualism that comes out of pre-dualism, but um, the uh, uh, what's below pre-dualism is this love thing that we're all made of, and so I had this three, three-tiered thing: dualism comes out of pre-dualism, and all that comes out of some kind of love essence of divine being. Uh, that's all I could say before, and it's it was accurate, is accurate, but I had an actual experience of it, Joseph.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I felt. And, and so I can say we've added another a little uh, teaching to the paradigm. Um, I actually experienced when we say that the pre-dual is the moments before our original soul was birthed out of divine being in our, our first incarnation, that, that, that mo- those moments somehow cling to our roots mm-hmm. of being and when we, when we become enlightened in the pre-dual, non-dual way, all you're doing is re-experiencing, not experiencing in a bizarre way what you weren't before you were,
2: mm-hmm.
1: still clinging to the roots of your soul. But as I looked at this woman, uh, I actually experienced divine beings' love for her soul before that made the soul be born. <laughs> mm-hmm. In oh, other wow. words, I felt the love. And, and the gestalt that uh, I went agape, um, uh, because not, we always say God universally loves everyone. You know, Well, here's the yin divine being whose womb, not pre-dual womb, the soul was born out of, into dualistic form as a soul soul is still dualistic relative to pre-dual but we would call it unilistic unilistic right it's because the soul it's not really all mm-hmm. the way down intensified to human yet but i felt not only the i didn't feel the universality of its love i felt the specific uh-huh. love that divine being had in birthing this woman and and i blinked twice and the It became everyone on the plane and then blinked another time and it painted everyone in the world. I experienced the love that is behind the birth of soul. So it's a universal truth. And divine being has a specific love for you, which religion teaches, but in a whole other context. I actually experienced for the first time not just taught it. Mm-hmm. I had I, my, the history of my, of, of my world is that I teach stuff before I actually experience it. <laughs> yeah. And so I just wanted to share this because you've been a, a really good help, help for me recently. Uh, and as, as several others have been in my trying to get my feet, my human feet more mm-hmm. here. Um, and I'll spend the rest of my life doing it, but I'm doing it. Ah, I'm getting inches of here and then I get five inches. And at any rate, um, to feel, to actually experience the divine love that was behind every soul's birth mm-hmm. was just—I—I I could not even speak because it's both universal and personal. And, personal yeah. and and that and then, of course, I started. And what was the next thing to do? Is I felt, I felt, I always—I could always feel love this way from divine, the young divine being. But the yin divine being, I felt through my first chakra
2: up. Oh, wow.
1: I felt its personal love. And it was in first uh, chakra, Joseph. I I felt its love for me, not only the not space before I was born out into space space. I felt its love for me and i've never felt love from the inside from the first chakra i always felt it out here oh yeah like a, a suntan
0: booth cuz so an impersonal love oh. transacted personally somehow
1: and, and so, a universal love transacted yeah, 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 personally yeah. is a little bit better yeah. to say and that just added another c- critical bandwidth to my first chakra human feet yeah that but- I experienced her, it's love for me that birthed me. And, and when you don't have that, if you never experienced that, there's always for all of us, not just me, there's a piece of our, our soul that has not made home all the way in our physical sure. world. Yeah. Uh, and so I can say it, I'll be 72 next month. The first time in my life I actually experienced the love divine being has for me personally from the inside
2: out. Mm
1: -hmm. and that's a there is another um we all have that innate ability one day one life to feel that um and my own personal here's another example why i wanted to tag it on to yours uh it was it was exactly what i needed all the collapsings and the confrontations and the no that's not it's uh, reflected to me to deconstruct so this could finally happen Mm -hmm. so deconstructing my um my protector eye, which has been really hard. Just ask some people who love me how hard it's been uh, that way. So in that sense, um, Joseph's story and mine just story here, I offer um, is the experiential rubber meets the roadway that personhood is a way to experience divine beings, uh, 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 closeness into your personal life. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, personhood does it because we're people. So where else are we going to experience that? It's like yes. cleaning the sure. plate so that the food has room to be on it, or something. It sounds,
1: something like that. And <clears throat> there's one. Uh, excuse me. Oh, my will—the uh, will of my protector self—keeps uh, deconstructing after
0: in, I <laughs> in do this
1: stuff. But I wanted to make one other one other dimension to this. And that is that um, <clears throat> uh, that the body aspect of our soul being in this world, right? It's it's a condensate, a condensate in our soul field.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the reason why I wanted to bring that in is because our soul eye is imminent not transcendent just it's technically imminent our body is imminent to our soul eye it's all one yeah, thing the soul
0: is not like some upstream thing yeah. the body is still the soul it's right yeah mm-hmm.
1: it, the, the soul is the body is all soul mm-hmm. but the soul is not all body so it does have a, a semi-transcendent a transcendent quality but when we're living uh, an emoto-soulful primacy-first life life and associated with a dharma that actually will hold us <laughs> to deconstructing our inauthentic um, protector self. Uh, as soon as the soul-eye is, the more the soul-eye comes into the personal, of, of, our, of our personal world, the more our world expands into these pre-dual and universal allness aspects of divine being. So again, not just having it in your your, uh, past lives brought forward, but in the present life, you could have your first lifetime. I've been here more than 470. This is 472nd lifetime, if I count right in the Akashika. This is the first lifetime, the first out of all 472 that I felt divine beings love up first chakra from the inside out. I never was able to experience that uh, in the past. And this is why people like Joseph suggest to me, even recently, uh, well, talk about you being a student <laughs> of identity. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about identity. Talk about your experience as a student of it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to take that opportunity to today uh, to do that in this way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and bring you know, home do the fact that divine being in our lives are cannot be separated
0: Yeah, I wanted to just to juxtapose our two stories there sometimes the work leads you to these amazing experiences and revelations And for me the day after the ordeal Mm -hmm. the latest ordeal where I had to turn around and cancel my appointment and You know and melt down uh, the aftermath for me today is feeling uh, Disorganized exhausted slightly mad and barely able to function you don't get to decide where it takes you.
1: (laughs) No, no, I've had had those too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh
1: God. Yeah. So,
0: um, yeah. So somehow I'm managing and I'm trying to be there for the, the part of me that is rapidly losing control. And, um, there are flashes similar to what you're saying, where I feel more soul coming down Mm -hmm. into me and I've had these kinds of things happen before so I can trust it. But just to say like, you, yeah. We're not. You don't lead your way through this work via intention or no. uh, or <laughs> <No>. <laughs> manifesting no. outcomes. It's chaotic and it's well, for brave people who are willing to invest in the process and divest of the outcome.
1: So well said. Because. It fits exactly resonantly with what we're talking about as the topic today. Yes, right. Unfolds, right. not it is intended. Divine being unfolds itself every moment. It doesn't intend to unfold. It just does. Yeah. We have a Dharma that will re- replicate that for our personal world. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the takeaway here, uh, what you just said, Joseph, so uh, beautifully is, um, not being able to control the outcomes because nothing was intended. It just unfolds and takes you to hell or heaven either way. <laughs> yes. uh, pain or ultimate pain or ultimate joy are both revelatory. Right? Mm. They're both, that's the takeaway here. And you don't get to choose when is what mm-hmm. uh, in this process, which is why it's not for the faint hearted, as you, you said earlier, mm-hmm. Um, I recently, I think I said this last podcast, um, but I'll say it again. It's perfect. Now, I uh, was talking to someone in a, in a, uh, I'm working with uh, in an intimate bond uh, that's problematic, majorly problematic right now. And uh, I, asked, I, I asked the, the person, uh, well, what was it like before you encountered this, this process?
2: <laughs> and this,
1: this person said, are you kidding? We had great sex. We were laughing all the time. We were compatible, da-da-da-da-da. And then we met EBE, and it all went to shit. Uh, and, and what he's saying, and he laughed. He wasn't he wasn't wedded to that. He had meta. He said, we were- Plenty of people have not, though, in the past. <laughs> I know, a lot of people. Uh, don't, don't go near this uh, this identity stuff, because it'll tear your life to bits. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah.
0: If your life is but, terrible to bits, then uh, it must not be on very solid footing. We would say,
1: <laughs> Amen. If it's terrible to bitable, nice. Uh, it's not. It's not. It's not on solid ground. Mm-hmm. So why not surrender yourself to the terrible bit? Terrible terribility mm-hmm. uh, uh, to to render literally in the right word render like mm-hmm. you render a wild animal uh, for its meat, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you render uh, uh, your your soulful being to become emergent. Uh, so both joy and unspeakable pain, as Joseph uh, uh, just described his version of recently, are revelatory. And we can't we don't get to choose. Uh, mm-hmm. to, we, there's the surrender to trust that divine being is so intimately involved. It'll take things like ducks
2: mm-hmm.
1: and our relationship to them, or truth. In my case, my addiction to spiritual truth um it'll take that to task and deconstruct it for you if you ask for it Mm. so but you've got to ask for it one and second you got to surrender and two you're not prepared for what surrender means.
0: Well, you know, I just to grab onto that, I had another version of that—the um, uh, the grip of truth um, taken away from me yesterday when I was talking to the owner of the dogs because, you know, he's saying that the dogs get out rarely. And I was like, okay, well, see what you can do to make that never. And then when they got out twice in 10 days, I was angry, you know, and I wanted to talk to him about it. And yeah. he made a bunch of excuses and, um, you know, he's, he's a pretty good guy. He has some responsibility issues, but in general, he, you know, he explained how they got out and he really does work hard and he, to, to prevent that. And he's had chickens that have been killed by other dogs in the neighborhood. And, and so, you know, we're sort of going back and forth and just, I, I just basically wanted to feel heard, want to know he was doing everything he could. And the more I talked to him, the more... How do, how do I express this? He's like, at one point he says like, he said something like, yeah, you know, everybody does the best they can, but I see dogs out loose all the time. Like, that's just what it's like to live in the jungle. And so, and I saw like the, the what what control I could still muster was saying like, at one point I said like, he's, he was saying, why don't you you know in, improve your perimeter? And I'm, I said, the burden of the law is on you. Like the same mm-hmm. reason I lock my doors I shouldn't have to do that. Right. People are not supposed to break in. Yeah. But the reality is they do. And that's why we have locks on our doors. And people are supposed to keep their dogs on their land. But the reality is they get out and shit happens. And so, like, he said it a few different ways. And then finally, I started to see, like, yeah, in one way, I'm right. In another way, I can't control this. This is how it is. Yes, and that really was a like you know that compared to like I can't protect these ducks, shit happens, chaos is real, and I can just start to I can feel the madness in me arising, and I can feel the the grip and the control and the truth met and the righteousness and what should be and how responsible people should be is this very tenuous cap on just the insanity of the human race, and that's what I'm feeling right now. It's just like oh, and then it leads to this this part of me is like then I don't want to fucking live here if that's
1: how right. it is. Right. <laughs> that, that's that's the protective's voice, yeah. of course, and all of us, and mine too. I don't want to get, take me now, get me out yeah. of here. And yet, look at the revelation here, in, in your honesty here uh, with yourself, Joseph. Uh, it's it's so beautiful to experience and. God, you have so much respect uh, from me, and should have from others in your revealment here, because we say Brie says uh, um, should is the mother, the mother of all fuckups. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: should, as soon as you have should, you're out of touch with the actual chaotic, uncontrollable. Uh, a reality of reality. Uh, e- even Zen masters get this. They have a little different trick. Uh, we can talk about that another time. Yeah. Uh, you start with nothing, they would say. But there is something about chaos and the human beings as a species still stuck in survivability. I have to control my environment. Yeah. That that will prevent thrivability until you actually give up and say, life is chaos and I better learn to deal with it, or I got to get out of here. Yeah. Um, wh- wh- I only, there's a bifurcation in the road. There's a why there, and you can't have it both ways. Right. And so if you stay sucking oxygen, you've finally got to make peace with chaos, mm-hmm. being the start of every moment, not something you avoid as the start of every moment. Which control is in all of us.
0: Yeah, so like yesterday while I was going back and forth, I I literally, I happened to have, I don't know, 30 or 40 feet of chicken wire. And I literally, amidst my, you know, exhaustion and um, emotional messiness, there was these like surges of will that's like, I'm going to make a pen right now. Uh Uh-huh. And, and it was like, well, really, like, is, is that what we're gonna do? Like, can I summon that will? Should I summon that will, or should I just surrender to I can't protect these ducks as well as I would like, and that's life. And I'm I'm proud of myself that I didn't. Instead, I just spent a lot of time crying in bed. And as you can see, I'm still working that out. But this yeah, this sure, the, the, the tears in me about the the chaos oh, of God. life, like. That's in between me and really living as a soul here, like you just said, and having to come to terms with that is my own soul's destiny to be able to be all the way here, be all the way with divinity and be the spiritual educator, facilitator, whatever I'm destined to be. Uh, I can't do that unless I come to terms with how little control that I have. I can't serve people unless I come way more to terms with that than I already have and be with a woman that I love. I can't, be, I can't do that either. So there's a lot on the line and there's that's why God answered my prayers because it <laughs> yes. knows I want all that. And it brought a dog to kill one of my ducks. Like, it boy, said, that's fucking said, crazy.
1: It said yes to your soul eyes. Yeah. And Uh, um, uh, 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 entreaty, uh yeah in meta and said no to these the um protector's eye that wants safety and security with control. And
0: speaking of safety and security has also eliminated about forty or fifty percent of my revenue in the last four months. <laughs> I, I still that. I, yeah. I still have enough to pay the bills I'm still around break even but um it took away that as well and that's been really useful too' it was like okay well I don't know uh, not much I can do about that I, I don't have the will anymore to drum up business like I used to so I sure. just wait and see what happens
1: um, and of course by extension uh without the barbed wire and to let the wild be the wild yeah if your ducks get killed in the near or further future it was their time yep. Because there is a law, laws governing the animal kingdom uh, that have nothing to do with control. Do, do animals fear? Yes. Do mm-hmm. they know they're going to die sometimes? Uh, just go to a slaughterhouse for pigs or oh, cows. God. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Just spend 10 minutes. What was the lamb movie with them? Um, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, no, it wasn't the Sounds of the Lambs. The, the
0: Silence of the Lambs.
1: The silence of the lambs uh, after they die, but they squeal and they're horror. They know they're going to die. So it's not that animals don't have fear. The ducks will run if they can away from a a a, a dog that wants to eat them. Uh, But there there is a rhythm there that is chaos and not controlled. uh, But certainly there's fear and those moments that before they die, they're in terror until they give up the ghost as it were yeah. join the uh, community of soul ductum uh, and reincarnate uh, maybe 10 minutes later uh in in in, uh, in bali somewhere mm. so um we want to hold on to what we love
0: right you just um, read that out that 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 is in bali i saw you do that
1: yeah thanks sorry mm. yes uh, it's in bali already um mm. it's a is uh, uh, in an egg, uh, not, you know, coming <laughs> so, the animals reincarnate really quickly after they die. Humans sometimes can take 50 years. Uh, the average is between t- 30 and 50 years, but so they can also do it th- right next life if they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we talk a bit about reincarnation uh, here sometime soon. So a little more about the metaphysics and the actual principles of uh, Reincarnation, another level, but I think that pretty much uh, squeezes all the uh, the um, the water out of this sponge um, yeah. for this this podcast. For that, yeah. God is divine being is cannot be otherwise intimately involved in our lives. And if you want real change, agonal change, and unbelievable joy, gotta gotta um
0: and. Uh- the the, the the key other. distinction, yeah. The key distinction is the between the um, inauthentic self or um, the protective self and the soul. I, without yes. that distinction, there there can't be an and between what you between the will of God and the will of yourself.
2: Yes,
1: and that's where we finally heal our will first um, human uh, conditioning to love first when the divine beings will and our will become uh, resonant. Yeah. not not enemies not uh contraries nice way to end there man yeah thank you thank you okay. so much
0: yeah thank you Whew. okay so next time um we've got uh, number 11 um taken from one of the uh titles of your books i guess the you no know, you wrote him first right and then no such thing was uh,
1: first no i wrote such no such thing first. okay
0: so from the very first uh, book there's no such thing as a negative emotion that's the the tentative topic for next time.
1: Which makes people run for their hills a lot uh, in terms of paradigmatic assumptions.
0: Yeah, Yeah. but I want the positive emotions and minimize the (laughs) negative emotions.
1: Okay, Mr. Control. Yeah, if if only. (laughs) Yeah, and I think (laughs) like
0: I would say to everyone, like you should try to make that happen. Let me know how it goes. (laughs) You should definitely try to do that.
1: Yeah, like we say, whatever you feel strongly about, you got to stick with it until it dead ends. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and when Joseph says, go for it, that means you'll might, if you really go for it, you'll hit a, the dead end of that sooner than later. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, and not necessarily in one not? life. There's or plenty not. of control based people yeah. who live relatively happy lives. And like yes. they're, you know, they're, mm-hmm. there's, they're, they're, they're in the midst of dead ending that. I mean, I was uh, controlled and I was, just, I was just about to say something that was totally not true. That's interesting. That was my protector saying, like, I, w- I was going to say, I was using control and was relatively happy until like my mid 20s. And that's completely not true at all. I was miserable. I had, I was, it was both.
1: It was, yeah, you know, yeah, it was both. Right, right. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah.
0: it didn't, it didn't ever significantly work. And I, I think that's the, uh, yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that it didn't in some ways.
1: Me, me too, or else we would never have met.
0: No, no, no. All right. Thank you, Stace. Thank you, listeners. Tune in next time. We'll talk about that. There's no negative emotion. And um, yeah, I, I uh, wish you to be free of any unproductive catastrophes.
1: <laughs> oh, what a lovely thing to wish for people.
0: Yeah. May all of the quote bad things that quote happen to you um, be lessons for your soul evolution.
1: Yeah. Amen. Bye for now.
0: Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.